Hello, Austin here. The next episode you're about to listen to is from our new bi-weekly show, Trash Talk Podcast, which will be out every other week on Fridays at 10 a.m. Once having its own channel where Travis and I talk movies, comic books, TV shows, and games while having a drink, we decided after two years of fun episodes to move the show onto our Friday slot of the Beer and Pretzel Podcast. Every Tuesday, you can still expect actual play episodes, and every other Friday, there will be interviews with game creators and reviews of RPGs. By now, every other Friday, there will also be Trash Talk Podcast episodes for those who enjoy other parts of geek fandom. With that said, please enjoy this episode of Trash Talk Podcast, and we'll see you Tuesday with a new Beer and Pretzel Podcast episode. This is the Beer and Pretzel Podcast. No, that's not the show. This is Trash Talk Podcast. We're a podcast that talks movies, comic books, TV shows, and games all while having a drink. My name's Austin. And this is Travis. And why I got a little bit confused talking about the Beer and Pretzel Podcast when this is definitely not that podcast is we kind of have some big news for our Trash Talk Podcast listeners that we want to talk about quickly before we jump into our review of Aliens and Prayer 2. So Travis, we already talked about this, but basically what our plan is is we're moving this podcast to our sister podcast's channel, the Beer and Pretzel Podcast. Yeah, it will be kind of a secondary podcast on that channel. And again, it'll still, for the most part, just be us and the occasional guest. But it'll be a secondary thing. It'll be bi-weekly as it is now. And it'll just be for fun. Yeah, so it'll be pretty much the exact same thing as we're doing now already. Just will be on that channel too. So the Beer and Pretzel podcast, that show is, if you don't know already, is a tabletop role-playing game podcast. It's an actual play, so we play role-playing games, but it also combines reviews and interviews with game creators. And that show is already every Tuesday and most Fridays. So now we're turning that show into every Tuesday and every Friday. So that show is Tuesdays is the Beer and Pretzel podcast. Every other Friday is Trash Talk podcast. Even the other Fridays, another Beer and Pretzel podcast. Interview or review, review or, or a, a sequel. to Sequel or teaser. Or teaser to a different episode. So this channel starting on around middle of November will close. All old episodes will either be on the Beer and Pretzel podcast channel or... Or on the Beer and Pretzel Podcast's Patreon, where I'm putting all the old episodes starting from the beginning. So this is kind of a big thing that we're kind of moving over there. It's for the best. We haven't had enough time trying to make this a consistent weekly show and putting a lot of time into the Beer and Pretzel Podcast show. So we're kind of combining the two, and we're still doing Trash Talk Podcast for fun, and hopefully the listeners there enjoy it. And I hope that you guys go subscribe to the Beer and Pretzel podcast so you can still stay up to date with this podcast and maybe you like that podcast too. And if you already subscribed, thank you very much because we do enjoy we enjoy role-playing games as much as we enjoy movies. So it's a lot of fun. Exactly. Both shows are a lot of fun to record and hopefully listen to. So please, before this podcast eventually is shut down when it gets moved to a different channel, go to pretty much any podcast streaming, I say streaming service, but podcast listening service, Podbean, iTunes, I think we're even on Pandora, Spotify, Rombo's platform. So subscribe to the Beer and Pretzel podcast before it's too late. With that said, let's jump into happier news, which is while we have been doing recently every other week and once we're officially on the Beer and Pretzel podcast, we'll be every other week, but through October, we're going to be doing an episode every week 
where you'll listen in pleasure. Yep. There's a lot of big movies coming up. A lot of big movies and a lot to talk about. Yep. Uh, then I'm going to be talking about next week. We're going to be either doing Bond or Dune. That uh, horror movie last night in Soho is coming out. A lot of good stuff to talk about. Yep. So with that said, let's jump into the movies that we were talking about this week is our sequel to what we did months ago, which was Alien versus Predator. Not the movie. We watched Alien and Predator and then we reviewed them. Now we're back for the second part of that, which is Aliens, the sequel, and Predator 2. We've seen Aliens before. We rewatched it to get fresh in our minds, and we watched Predator 2 for the first time fully. So we're here to talk about it. First, let's do real news and fake news. Travis, what is it? So it's going to be, you're going to list off four pieces of news. They're all a bit ridiculous, and they all sound a bit fake, but I got to guess which one is actually the fake one. Indeed. And with that, let's jump into it. Okay, Travis. Number one, Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, you know, she's that one of the late night talk show hosts, or maybe she's not late night. She's a talk show host. She was, yeah. I think she was. Stopped. She, I think she's retired or stopping or something. There was something that came out that she was kind of like an asshole to people behind the scenes or something. I don't really care about that drama. What I care about is why is this a thing? And I don't have anything against or for Ellen DeGeneres. She seems like a nice enough lady. There's going to be a show, an animated TV show, unless I made this up, called Little Ellen, which is about a seven-year-old Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, I don't know if I want to see that. I don't know if it's necessary, but again, I'm going to ask the question you did. Why? I think she's a role model for some people. I get that, but even still, like, why do we need to know about her childhood? Was it that dramatic? Yeah. And The only thing I can see is that this is like only aimed at kids. But even then, the kids don't know who she is. Yeah, she's older than most uh, like old enough where most kids wouldn't know her. Yeah. And her, even her show. And not that it's like a bad show or anything, but it it's not for an older audience, I believe. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Young kids aren't watching it. So weird choice, but maybe it's something that the parents sit them down to. The kids don't know. They're like, who the hell is this? But the audience, the parents know, I guess. But the yeah. parents probably don't care enough to watch this. It's a weird choice. But again, with animated stuff, some of it's now made for adults, a.k.a. Rick and Morty. So it could be something not like Rick and Morty, <laughs> but made for adults. If it is, that would be hilarious. I really no, hope it was like Rick and Morty. Number two, Travis. Uh, Bruce Willis. I kind of like him enough as an actor. He's kind of fallen to a point that he only does a bunch of shitty action movies nowadays. So he has a reputation of someone who doesn't like to work on movies, even though he's in a lot of movies. Doing it for the paycheck at this point, which is kind of sad because in the 90s, he was like one of the biggest action heroes or even actors in general. But nowadays, he really like... He really half-asses it. He shows up, gets paycheck. He's usually, from what I heard, he's often an asshole to people behind the scenes and just wants to do things the Bruce Willis way. Well, this is a weird kind of segue, but in Russia, they're using deep fake technology, unless I made this up, to insert Bruce Willis into commercials. So instead of paying Bruce Willis to fly to Russia and do these advertisements, they pay him for the rights to his face and they have another bald actor play him and they use deep fake technology to scan all the movies interviews talk shows with his face and they scan that onto this actor's face and they're able to replicate him kind of scarily close isn't that like more expensive than just getting the guy there you would think you would think but i don't know like he gets a holiday in russia and he does a couple uh, commercials for them. I mean, I know he's in the Die Hard commercial for the battery right now in America. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. That's funny. Um, uh, apparently, 
well, must be he can't be that cheap to fly over there because just the rights to get his face. Not he doesn't have to do shit. He just has to like sign a paper saying, "Yeah, you can use my face." It's estimated between one and two million dollars. I mean, his face is very iconic, but I could have. It's a bit expensive. Yeah, so but you'd think the technology used to like digitally reconstruct somebody's face, and I'm assuming his voice as well, because they have to do that at some level. I don't, I don't think this random actor has the same voice as Bruce Willis. Maybe he does. Yeah, probably not. Um, well, actually, he they're speaking Russian, and Bruce Willis oh, yeah. wouldn't speak Russian. So yeah, I guess it wouldn't be Bruce Willis's <laughs> voice. Never mind. What am I thinking? Man, I'm stupid. Okay, that makes more sense now. Yeah, just his face. So does it sound believable to you? Uh, Russia's crazy as hell. Yes. Fair enough. We can't let real news and fake news go by without at least one piece of Disney news. This week's Disney news is that a new prequel series is officially greenlit to start filming soon of the Beauty and the Beast prequel series. Featuring Gaston, the one who's like, I am strongest Gaston, and Foutois, or whatever his name is, the little fat short guy. And is this going to be kind of about how the Beast became the Beast and all of his... Nope, it's just featuring those two characters. Just them. Just them. But is it going to even show when they become the clock and the candlestick? No, no, no. Uh, no, those are different characters, I think. These are like the the bad guys, the antagonists. Oh, man, I got that mixed up badly. Okay, yes. That's all right. I don't expect you to be like the lore master no, of no. the Beauty and the Beast expanded I thought, I, universe. Okay. Well, no, I thought that was the candlestick guy and the oh, clock yeah. guy. Yeah, no, that's fair. Okay, so this is the two bad, the villain guys. Yep. Okay. But why do we care about their back? Oh, I guess we got a Cru- Cruella backstory. So I guess that's true. Makes sense. Yeah. But it's a weird choice. I mean, I know some people like, what was it? The Gaston was the main bad guy there. Yeah. I know some people like him because he was like the hot jockey character. Yeah. So maybe that's why. But again, I still don't, I don't think they gave him enough of a story to warrant this. Yeah. It's a weird, like, it's weird how it comes to a point that for studios, it's easier to bet on characters and stories has already been done to death rather than like really new imaginative stories just because people know these characters instead of like making a really cool new series about new characters they'll just be like let's throw these random ass characters Cruella these guys in there's a, I think there's a Peter Pan spinoff in the works or something it's like when does it end in the future I is hope there it- be any creative new properties well I'm gonna mention this later I did find a creative new property from Disney. Oh, that's true. Yeah, we'll Which, talk about that later. Even yeah. this month, we are just talking about how we're excited for October. Technically, there's nothing really... That's not true. There's one new thing. There's a sequel to a Bond movie, a sequel to a Halloween movie. There's a sequel to a Venom movie. Uh, there is Dune, which is a, a reboot of a movie that came out like 20 or 25 years ago. Also the only new one that in a book, of course... The only really new imaginative one we're seeing soon is Last Night in Soho, which is a completely new property. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why we're going off this train. I just, I'm kind of annoyed about random dumb shit like that. All right, number four, Travis. So your thoughts about Ghostbusters, just in general? Like the new Ghostbusters or like the original? Oh, you're just attachment to... I liked as a kid. I haven't seen the movie, either the two original movies in years, and I've heard about whatever the all-female one was, and now yep. the kids one. The new one that's coming out, I think, in a couple months? Yeah. yeah. I've heard about them. I never... have. Well, cl- clearly I haven't seen the newest one, Yeah, but I haven't like been interested that much. Sure. Well, Bill Murray, I guess... Uh, oh, actually, TV show. I love the TV show. 
the animated TV show. Yep. That segues perfectly into the reimagined of the animated TV show, but live action. So, oh, so they're going to take all the writing and all the good stuff from the other TV show and put it into live action? Well, I don't know if they're going to copy and paste the exact same stuff, but well, it's the, like going to be based around the same characters and stuff, but okay. live action. So it'll be kind of like Scooby-Doo Mysteries, but with actual like ghost. Yeah, and because in that the animated series, it was new characters, right? It wasn't the classic characters from original Ghostbusters, right? I don't believe... Again, it's been forever since I've seen it. I do remember liking it as a kid. I haven't seen him forever, but it was... I believe it was all new characters. Maybe they met with the old characters at some point in time, but I think it was kind of like its own universe type deal. Well, that would make sense because they're probably not bringing Bill Murray back to do a TV show. They can't bring back the guy who died, Harold yes. Ramis. Yeah. So that wouldn't work. But Travis, the question is, which one's a fake piece of news? Okay, so Ghostbusters TV show... The Gaston guy making his own TV show or getting his own TV show. Yep. Little Ellen Little Ellen. and Bruce Willis's face is getting deep faked into Russian commercials. <sighs> Last week on our Shang-Chi episode, I kind of bombed the real news fake news. So this week I got you some tough ones. They are tough because all of these sound legit. Yeah. Uh, Only one can be fake. I've always had trouble going against Disney because they always never fail to disappoint. Yeah. But I'm going to say Gaston. Yeah. And why? Uh, just because I, I, I really don't see a reason. We've already had Cruella. Honestly, I don't remember if it did well or not, but I can't imagine it did amazing. Yeah. Amazing enough to warrant. Let's all do like a bunch of series on villains. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with that. Sure. No, that's fair. And Travis, the fake piece of news is indeed the Ghostbusters live action tv show oh that don't want i wanted that in my heart i wanted that <laughs> yeah i'm kind of sad you don't bet against disney oh you never bet against disney i've done this too many times i should know <laughs> you should know better by this point all right let's move on to our review of aliens in predator 2 so something we're gonna be starting recently or now i guess is we're gonna be skipping really the plot summaries of movies because we're not good at it because we always spoil the movie anyway yeah. so i say let's do or just a review, real quick. What do we think about, or what? What's our rating on it right now? No, let's just talk about what we liked about each movie. Yeah, you know, oh. we're not going to talk about. Oh, or you mean for people that aren't spoiled? These movies came out thirty years ago. No, we're not doing a non-spoil. We'll do that for Venom. Venom. Well, no, I was out. just saying rating right now. What right is now? honest uh, rating? Kino for Aliens and for Predator Two, I would say probably bad. Bad? Yeah, I'd probably go both ends of the spectrum. Honestly, All right. maybe it would be close to say it's a movie. Yeah, I can maybe be swayed to it. It's a movie, but for right now, I'm going to say bad. All right. I'm going with Kino for Aliens. Hell yeah. Because it is. Uh, and actually, now that we've seen the non-theatrical version, it's even better. So I have to go Kino. Um, and Predators, I'm actually going to say it is a movie. For Predator 2, not Predators. Oh, yeah. Pr Predator 2. Yeah, uh, Predator is a different title. movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never wanted the same franchise. Yeah, it was the third one. Yeah. Which makes no sense. You think it'd just be called predators, like aliens, predators, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But anyway, those predator, are our reviews. Predator two is going to be. And now is our episode of trash talk podcast. No, I'm kidding. All right, let's get on to why we liked or did not like these movies. Should we do them um, like at the same time or do them one by one? Which one do you want to talk about first? I, well, I mean, the one I saw most recently was Aliens. Yeah. So I say we start with that. Sure, Aliens, classic movie. A uh, lot to say about it. And it's one of those rare movies that takes an original great entry to a franchise and somehow one-ups everything. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it, well, it literally ones up because it takes kind of the ragtag crew from the ones and turns them all into Marines. And you're like, well, Marines, here's a good deal. Yeah, definitely. And it's a fun group at that. Yeah, no, they, they got a lot of personality, a lot of character, especially a couple of them I really liked. Um, and then it takes the alien that we all know and love. And a fucking multiple multiple aliens, it. if you will. Yes, multiple of them. And like, who is a queen? We get a queen alien, but like, who just doesn't want? Even if it was two aliens, I'd be more happy. But like, we got a crap load. I think there was at least fifty or some odd at one point. Yeah, it's just a, an immense amount of them, and they were amazing. And the original one, I love it because Evo was in nineteen seventy nine. It looked incredible for its time period, and the inside of the ship looked very realistic you didn't have any bullshit green screen everything nowadays that people do it was just real hallways and sci-fi med bays and uh crew decks and just like they actually replicated obviously didn't construct a whole ship but they construct everything they actually needed for the inside ship this one opposite it does that for inside buildings it does inside factories it does outside which i think is even more impressive when you can make something that's an outdoor planet yeah and make it look believable enough that you're like, you can believe that they're actually there. Yeah. I mean, I will admit there was a couple of scenes where I could see that they were clearly driving like remote control cars and it was small scale, of course. Yeah. But it still looks so incredible that I, would, I, I was okay with that little minor detail. Yeah. There's like at one point, one of the rovers is driving by and like, if you look carefully, you can tell like someone's not driving it and you can tell that it's like a painted one, but like, you have to look really close. It's not something that you instantly notice. If you, As long as you just look at it as what it is, you believe it as what it is. Yeah. So the script, the script is great. All these Marines, Ellen, all the side characters have great one-liners. The action is great. There's good horror elements, too. People say this is just an action movie. It's not. No, it no. has horror elements to it. It has aliens, and aliens are horror to a T. The scene when it's probably my favorite scene in this movie aliens uh with ellen ripley and newt they are stuck inside a med bay oh and the face huggers are coming after them the face huggers are coming after them that was an actual scary and very suspenseful oh. scene i every time i watch that scene i like get white knuckle like clenching yes. my seat because i'm like i i mean i've watched it enough times i know they're not gonna get hurt from it yeah but at the same time i'm like it's it still it creeps me out and it scares the hell out of me definitely and i love it <laughs> it's it, the, the fact that they can do that every time after i don't even know how old the movie is 70 something uh this movie was or, 1986 80 yeah 80 something so this is almost 40 years old yeah and it still can do that and it's that yeah. good and like creepy moments like uh even like uh when the android gets like punctured and you see all the white kind of oh I yeah think, if i remember they used yogurt for it i think so yeah yeah for and, his blood yeah for his fake blood and you just see all the yogurt pouring out. And even that is like, oh, no. And I have a hard time watching it because it makes my stomach feel queasy, even though I know it's not real and I know it's supposed to be an android and I know it's not supposed to have feelings. And, and when the alien queen tears that same Andrew uh, android in half and he's on the ground, the whole time I was looking, I'm like, how are they able to do this? Because it's not like just maybe when she threw him to the side, it was like a, a prop at first. But then the rest of the time, he's actually on the ground in pain, crawling around because he's half an android. And the whole time I'm focused, I'm like, how are they able to do this? And like, if you look closely, you see like, like liquid is like shooting it out of him. Yeah. And you the see makeup work and costume and prop puppetry work is incredible. Holds up so well. Just for the alien queen alone. Yeah. It's she looks so good. She looks amazing. Yeah. And, like, the other aliens, 
we don't see a lot of them. It's a lot of like quick cuts, and you see them for like half a second. And they're really fast, so you they're know. really fast. But the queen, she's like fully on screen, and she's slow. She doesn't move quickly, but again, puppeteers can't move that fast. But still, yeah. like it looks amazing. It looks creepy. Yeah, and we've been talking about how we wanted to watch uh, Prometheus and Covenant. I love this franchise, so I want to see them soon. One spoiler from the trailer of Covenant, uh, the newest alien movie, is that a very large alien, I don't know if it's a queen, but it's a really, really big one, at the end of the trailer, is like stuck on top of their car trying to get at them. But it's CGI, and it doesn't, while it's a very good CGI, it doesn't compare to this. Still, it doesn't hold up. No. Or, well, maybe it holds up, but it's not as believable, and it doesn't have the same impact. Yeah. No, that... That, I think, is what took Aliens to another level, was the, the puppetry, the makeup, the costume design. The mini set designs they had to use the to amazing, create this world. Yeah, all of that is what took this movie to a level that most horror movies and or just straight action movies haven't come to in, like, forever. Yeah, I agree completely. And that's why people loved a movie like uh, Mag- Max Fury Road. While there was practical some effects. CGI in that, it was mostly actual stunt people, practical effects. They were actually flinging each other around. That movie took forever to shoot, but they did it, and it looks amazing because of that. But like this movie, like you said, really nothing else compares to this, even all these years later. Yeah. It it's- looks incredible, but it's not just a good-looking movie. It's a really, really well-done story, too. Story, characters, I mean, yep. you can't, I, I can't complain about a single nope. thing, which is why I gave this a Kino rating. Like, I physically can't complain about it. Yeah, it's a movie that, like, if we reviewed things out of 100, I would have to give it 99 or 100, because I can't, even if I had to be generous to give it 99, like, I don't know what that one point I would take off. If there was one thing I would say, and this is not something to do against the quality of the movie, it has nothing to do with the story writing, the act, action, uh, acting, um, puppetry, anything that's to do with filmmaking, why this movie is good. It's just that I really like the first Alien and what they did with it in Alien Isolation as there's one alien and it is like a Jason Voorhees, a Michael Myers. It's stronger than everyone else and it's a killing machine. In this, it introduces and it becomes a new fad that the aliens are bugs and that if you had the right weaponry, you can kind of mow them down. They're definitely killing machines that can wipe out marines and bases as we saw in this movie, but they're more disposable. Yeah. It seems like the technology in whatever it was, 50 years time, has gone from being very primal technology for humans to being really futuristic. Well, it might not even be that. It's just in the first one, they don't focus on marines. They're just a ragtag group of space truckers. They don't have that technology. They still had some weaponry. They still had, I believe, a couple like guns and stuff. Not that maybe. they ever really used any of it. No. I think they just had like a flamethrower or maybe like a handgun, but I could be wrong. Could be. But I- like I said, that has nothing to do with what this movie is. If you judge this movie by itself, it's I would say it's literally a perfect movie. There's yeah. nothing I would complain about it. See, that's the thing. I have to, even though, of course, it is a follow-up to the first one, I have to see it in its own light to make sure. Because if you compare it to the first one, then they have very different settings themes even though they're on the same planet but it's like military actually like a kind of like a video game style let's go mow things down with machine guns compared to basically alien isolation video game where it's a horror game and you have to it's a survival survival horror yeah so they're very different but they do have the same setting and same story uh 
like extended story. There we go. Kind of. And it expands on the lore. We learn more about Whelan Yutani. We learn, of course, more about the aliens themselves. Ellen Ripley has a continuation of her arc. Introduced new fun characters. I really like, uh, I believe his name is Michael Bean or Bean. Bean, I'll say Michael Bean. Uh, James Cameron, who directed this movie, directed him in his first major movie, Terminator, as Kyle Reese. He brings him back for this movie, and I really like him as, I think it's Colonel Hicks. Oh, uh, yeah. Corporal Hicks. I think it's, yeah, Corporal. I guess that's a good segue into a question I want to ask you, Travis, was besides Ellen Ripley, the main character of the movie, and besides any aliens or anything, was your favorite humanoid character in the movie that's not Ellen Ripley, or maybe even Newt? Uh, yeah, because Newt is a good character, but of course she doesn't say a whole lot, and her addition to the team isn't like all that spectacular. I don't know. I would disagree with that. I would disagree. She aids him and point them to the right direction of where to bring the team That's and she adds to Ellen Ripley's arc I and think they, she's the reason why she goes back to fight the alien queen. That is true. Alright, as far as Ripley's arc, yes, but the, I'm sure the team could have figured out where to go on their own eventually. It might have taken them a bit longer, but I think they could have figured out, okay, the aliens aren't here. They're probably in the big uh, reactor building thing. Yeah, I guess, but there is one point they're in the crawlaways, and they go, do we go left or right? And then Newt tells them to go left, because that's where the area they're trying to get out of yeah. is. But yeah, continue with what you're saying about your favorite humanoid character. Ooh, okay, I gotta go probably starting off with, uh, was he the general guy? Um, Which one is the that? The one who smoked the cigars. Oh, yeah, I think his name was Apollo. Apollo. Yeah, he he's was, a badass. He was Kino. Yeah, I love as soon as he gets out of cryo sleep, he pulls out a cigar and puts his mouth instantly. As soon well, as like he, he had up. it in his hand in cryo sleep. He's like, I'm holding on to my cigar and yep. I'm gonna smoke it when I'm done. Yeah, I, I was kind of disappointed he died fairly early because he was such a cool, charismatic character. That's why he died early. As you, yeah, as you'll notice, a lot of like the charismatic, the really good characters tend to die early in the horror movies. Well, maybe mm-hmm. not the good characters, but the ones you kind of enjoy watching sure they tend to die off pretty quickly except for the main character of course ellen ripley in this case yeah no that's fair i knew she wasn't gonna die but yeah but so yeah he was uh he's one of my favorites uh, probably my second favorite um after ellen after ripley um uh who was else i'm, I'm terrible with names i'm not gonna remember any of their names but i thought he made a good villain the the corporate guy the oh, curly yeah. hair dude uh what was his name uh, fuck. It's not Hicks. I was never what's his name. Burke. What's Burke. his name? Yeah, Burke. I liked him because at the beginning, he first starts off with a good line. He's like, I'm part of the company, but don't let that fool you. I'm actually a pretty okay guy. Yeah. And then you're like, you're not an okay guy. But I'll, well, I'll... I believe that at first. I thought he was like actually kind of looking out for them and he wasn't just looking out for Waylon Yutani's like dollar. But in the end, yeah, he definitely was. And he was a scumbag. I mean, all the corporate guys in these old movies are definitely scumbags, and yeah, like you, especially when they say something like that. I know instantly. I'm <laughs> like, I don't trust you, but I'm going to see what your story is. And honestly, it was good because he was a bit very manipulative, but he was kind of very subtle and secretive about it. So I thought he did a good job. Yeah, definitely, because he's not a front line guy. He's someone who stays in the back, but he manipulated as much as he could. Yeah. And if some things went his way, he would have succeeded at his job, which was his his whole goal was to get Ellen Ripley and Newt pregnant with 
the xenomorphs and bring them back and freeze their bodies. Well, I don't think it was specifically Ripley and Newt. I think it was anybody. Anyone, yeah. But yeah, he wanted to bring one alien, at least one alien species, uh, baby, back to back yeah. to his company. And for Bill Paxton, we saw him in this movie and Predator Two. He's the one who's like and in Terminator and Terminator. Uh, he's the one who's like, game over, man, game over. I think he's Hudson, I believe his name is, in this one. Yes, could be. I'm terrible with names. I don't know. The only reason why I know this specifically is that I got the alien, aliens, sorry, alien, aliens, just added S to it, aliens board game. And on it, they have the actual characters and they have their name tags on them. Mm. So I'm like, when I was like putting the characters together, the pieces, I was like, oh, I wonder which character this is because I haven't seen the movie in like five years. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you're that character and you're that character. That makes sense. But yeah, so... Between these two movies, Predator 2 and Aliens, Bill Paxton has a decent role in both of them. In one, he's kind of a scummy, not really scummy, he's just kind of an overconfident cop. And yep. this, he is kind of a overconfident, but also kind of a little bit of a bitch uh, Marine. Yes. I know what probably the answer is, but which Bill Paxton role did you like better? Both of them get killed by the respected Predator or Aliens. And both of them have similar characteristics, but which one do you like more as a character? Ooh. Uh, I, that's a tough call because I like the slightly more badassness of the Marine because he did have a couple moments where he was okay, but I like the, I definitely like the kind of swagger and the douchiness of the cop more. So I'll, I'll go with the cop. Oh, really? Okay. I'll go the opposite way. I'll say the Marine, he had more cool one-liners and he has the iconic line of game over man game over and he's just happens to be in a better film which helps him that's true i still like his douchey like character attitude from predator prior to yeah i do like him in that i wish he got a better i guess in both movies he didn't get the best death scene no his death scene in both movies are kind of quick or at least in predator 2 you can't fucking see yeah he was off camera mostly and it was like in a train that was like fucking flashing. Yeah, that ball. I hate the whole flashing thing. <laughs> yeah, they did that a lot more in Predator Two, which annoyed me. But yeah. or Predators, yeah, no Predator Two. Favorite scenes in um, Aliens. I already said my favorite one, which was uh, Ripley and Newt stuck in the med bay. The two uh, face huggers are crawling towards them, and that again, the puppetry and the face huggers looked really good when they're crawling on the ground towards them. And when it jumps at them, and she's grabbing, she's holding it. I actually like was clenching my chair. I've seen, like you said, I've seen this before, but it's so intense as it leaps at her and they try to attach themselves to their faces. Such a good scene, but I'm gonna steal that. Yeah, no, that's fair. I respect that decision. I'm gonna go. I think you know. You remember the armored truck where they. I think they were leaving at one point and they crashed through a bunch of stuff and they wound up breaking the truck eventually, but they're just like crashing through like buildings and stuff with it or doorways yeah. to escape. Uh, I forget exactly. I think it was the alien horde. Um, That was one of my favorite scenes. And also there's uh, also a good part during that. I think it's the same chase where she actually runs over a xenomorph. It jumps yep. on the hood and then it falls down and she crunches on it. That was also pretty good. So yeah, that was part of that whole escape chase scene. Um, another one that I, uh, yeah, that I really, really liked was, uh, I can't remember the pilot's name, but the female pilot, she yep. goes up inside the craft cause they're getting ready to leave or escape or whatever. And she goes to get in the pilot seat, but you see the drippings of the slime, the, the acid 
uh, what is it? The acid uh, blood. There we go. Yeah. And you, of course we see that, but she doesn't know what it is. She goes and climbs in the seat. And the next thing you see is the Xenomorph kind of pop over her shoulder and then just like blood splatter over the windshield. Yeah, that the was cock- the bloodiest part of the movie. Like the whole like cockpit is filled with blood instantly. Yeah. I was like, that was a good death scene. That, like, even though we didn't see a death, that was still one of the better, by far, best death Another scene. segue. I was going to ask you if you were a death scene. Let's cut that one out though. That was a good scene. Uh, good use of blood and effects on that. Let's not use that one though. Uh, so I guess I will go first. Um, I liked when Burke died, but in terms of shooting a death scene, I liked when Vasquez and the other guy died. When she's like, fuck you, whatever his name was, and they're holding grenades and they've run out of clips. There's aliens on both sides. And then they choose to blow themselves up to take out a bunch of xenomorphs. I thought that's a pretty good scene. You're very heroic. Very, yeah, very sacrificial. Uh, that was a good scene. Also, I think my favorite was probably that android scene. The android yeah. death scene where it just gets like literally ripped in pieces. And you're just like, oh, that's gruesome, man. But again, it's supposed to be a robot. You're like, supposed to be like, you don't care about it as much, but I still like the character. So, yeah. Oh, actually, third favorite character, the android. Yeah, the android is good. I like the actor. I think his name is Lance Hendrickson. He does a couple like different horror. He was also in Terminator. Mm. He was a cop, I think, in Terminator. Um, but he just has like, that face and that voice that yeah. lends itself so well to being an android. Yeah, he know he very much filled that role. Much better than the android from the first movie, I believe. Definitely, yeah. Uh, much more memorable in this. Actually, if you like him, well, going to spoilers, he does show up at least once or twice in Alien 3. Okay. Yeah. So look out for him there, because we're going to be doing Alien 3 and Alien 4 fairly soon probably in november or so because i have a lot to say both of those movies you know i talk predators and predator 4 of course and then we're gonna jump into our alien versus predator actual series yes Ugh. Ugh. i guess the only thing we could compare that to would be prometheus because that's the only thing well we could just do alien predator and alien predator 2 we could just do that but yeah that's whatever we want to do um yeah so not really much more to say it's like we said a perfect movie and we watch it again for the third or fourth time Still as great as I remember, holds up extremely well. Nothing to get complain ch- about. If you get the chance to watch the extended, the director's cut or whatever it's called, watch that because it makes it it adds more characters, more scenes, and it just I think makes it overall better. Yeah, there's one scene that at the beginning because there's a I actually was able to tell what scenes were added because before I gave you the disc, I watched the first like third of the movie before I fell asleep. I got I didn't even fell asleep. I was too tired. And then I get back to you, you get back to me, you told me to watch a special edition. I did. And a lot of the scenes were at the beginning. So they didn't have the scene where Newt and her brother are with her parents in the rover. And they didn't have the scene which was her in a fake like garden. And then Burke comes over and they talk about her daughter. Because that is a line that's talked about in the beginning. She talks about her daughter, but they never follow up with anything. But in that scene, they talk about how in this 50-year gap, her daughter grew old and died and while it's not it doesn't really add anything to the main plot i just thought it was kind of interesting and it kind of in my opinion adds to her arc because she kind of becomes a mother again but with newt yeah because she kind of missed the relationship with her own family or her own daughter now she's trying to kind of be a mother to this orphaned child yeah and uh you really liked the scene where it's newt and her parents yeah that was a good scene um I think a lot of those scenes in the beginning, because I don't fully, maybe I just didn't watch enough in the 
theatrical version, I didn't see the scene where it's a lot of like the security guard having the banter right before, uh, like they're talking about when the parents are going off to find the xenomorph like spaceship. Oh yeah. I don't remember that scene from the original one, but it's like a bunch of people just walk around and just hearing like the getting to see a few of the characters before they're all. Oh, I see. I remember what you're talking about. Yeah. I don't think that scene was also in it, Yeah, but like those scenes, especially the one with all those characters at the base and there's like the little kids riding around on on like the tricycle that's the Wayland Yutani logo. Like those scenes must've been fairly expensive to shoot. The one with the Rover, especially, but they cut it out. It was kind of sad because they added a lot to the story. Yeah, I thought like because it, it made you feel something because it wasn't exactly. just these guys are going to an empty base that used to have people in it. You, you saw the, the people, people in it, yeah. and there's a lot of kids too. Yeah, it's families, like yeah. genuine families. Like we knew there was probably at least a couple kids because we saw uh, Newt there, mm. but like we didn't see a whole bunch of kids, which I saw at least what ten, I think. Yeah, something like that. That we never see in the, the theatrical version because all we see are the adults that are all like taped up to the walls and they're covered in the goo. Yeah, I guess I guess that is something that we can say that if you were to put a negative thing on this movie, because we're saying this is like a near-perfect movie, I guess the thing you could say is that it should have had this extended cut should have been the one in theaters. It should have been, but I... As, it works still great by itself. It's still great by itself, and I kind of understand where they're coming from, where they didn't want to... Because it was supposed to be a bit of a horror movie, but action-based, and most horror movies aren't terribly long. Yeah. So I think that's what they were going for. They were trying to make it a bit shorter, which they did. And I think another thing was that they were adding a lot of scenes in the beginning before we see the Xenomorphs, and there's already a large gap from the beginning to the Xenomorph sighting, which I'm okay with because like it's paced very well. I loved all those scenes, but it is a while till you see the aliens. So maybe they're like, let's not add more scenes Without until aliens. we see the aliens. Yeah. But overall, it just helps make the movie even better. Yeah. Let's talk Predator 2. All right. So Predator 2 for me is a movie that is not exceptionally bad at anything. For my opinion, it's okay at everything, but not really good at anything. You gave it a bad rating, so I had to be bad at something. It's just bad because it doesn't do anything good. Well, that's the thing. That makes it a movie. I guess, yeah. Yeah, I guess. Maybe I'll have to change my rating. Because, like, there's nothing really bad about the action. I can't complain that much about the acting. The writing isn't great, but it's not horrible. Uh, the effects are fine. Um, the dialogue, I guess, is okay. There's nothing for me. Nothing's horrible, but nothing is good, really. I yeah, I think the bad parts for me, because I'll agree with you. Like, uh, visually, it was fine. I mean, it was a bit felt a bit more kind of grainy and older. Yeah. Than Aliens, even though did it come after or before? I can't. I think they came out in the same year. No, no, they did. They came out, I think Prayer 2 might have came out one year later. Okay. Yeah, one year later. Okay. That's it, one year difference. But, yeah, so one year different, but it just feels older. Like, it it does does feel like a classic cop movie, well, cop buddy movie, before the Predator comes in. Because, like, you get the, uh, I forget the guy's name, but the actor, the main actor there, the cop. Oh, yeah. Uh, What's his name? Fuck. I'll have to look it up. But anyway, but he feels like one of the like a cop, like a classic cop from one of those old buddy cop movies. And then he's with his team that at least one guy, like the, the Lone Ranger guy kind of feels like the, the average, like the, the kind of the two differences, like the ones, the kind of hardcore kind of crazy cop and ones, the happy go lucky kind of comic relief cop. Yeah. Kind of. They're kind of like opposites of each other. And that, that always feels like uh, I forget. Uh, what was that movie? 
or Lethal Weapon. Yeah, Lethal Weapon is what I'm comparing. Which also features Danny Clover, who's the main actor of this and one of the main actors of Lethal Weapon. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's so, cops in both ones. He's the main cop in both movies. I think he plays a different role because I think he's like the smart, sophisticated one. And the other guy's the crazy one. Yeah, that's true. This one, he's more of the crazy, like, badass one. And this guy's the more sensible, the, the comic relief cop. Yeah, so with Danny Glover, they couldn't bring back Schwarzenegger for this for whatever reason. He wanted too much money. He was too busy. He didn't want to do a sequel. I think, reportedly, he saw the script and he's like, I don't want to do this. Mm. But... It's he's not a bad character. He's not a bad substitute, but he's just like it's weird because like you're right. It's so eighties themed with everything. It's such with aliens, even though they're like the same year pretty much. It feels futuristic, even though obviously it was made a while ago. It feels so far future and not cliche. With this, it's just like cla- like you said, it's classic eighties buddy cop movie, an eighties stereotype. Yeah, with uh, we were talking about when we were watching it, it has like that classic scene where the camera goes through the police station. It's super busy. Cops are fucking around. There's prostitutes and drug dealers, and people are fighting each other. It's like a chaotic mess. Yeah, and at one point, the main actor goes off with a drug kingpin to make a deal to find out information or something, which is like something the classic eighties cop movies always do. Yeah, like the, at least one of the cops is in some sort of deal with some sort of drug dealer or informant of some kind. Yep. And they have to go off and see him in some secret location. They'll do it. And it, it feels very cliche, even though I think it's supposed to be some future LA. Yeah. Because it's 10 years in the future. It's supposed to be 1997. We yeah. came out 1987. Yeah. And I don't think they foresaw it because basically there's a, it, it's almost like an apocalyptic kind of situation. Where, like there's a lot more crime it almost feels like dread in a way. Yeah, it does feel like Dread. It's like Dread, Warriors, um, whatever movie. Uh, the Charles Bronson movie, Death Proof, I believe it's called. Yeah. That's another thing in the 80s, like gangs and like drug gangs and stuff was a major theme of like yeah. the bad guys. It really was, except for aliens, which definitely yeah. wasn't because they're set in space. The gangs of aliens. Yeah, they were more like killer corporations. Speaking of gangs, um, in this game, in this movie... The gangs, there's a couple gangs, but they're another theme of the 80s is very much racial stereotyping. In this, it one ups that to an 11. They look a 50. Yeah. It takes the Jamaican uh, gang, they do like a bunch of like voodoo shit, ritual killings, and their primary colors are red, green, and yellow. They smoke a lot of weed, big joints, like hysterically big joints yeah. they smoke in their car and they clam bake their every car they drive and they're like when Dean and Glover goes into the car just full of weed comes out and you're like do you want some ganja man yeah and it was like alright we're really going over top with this yeah. and the Spanish gang uh, the Colombian cartel or whatever they were yep. they had like guns upon guns like they had a whole arsenal and cocaine and cocaine um, <laughs> cocaine but like they had so much that it was like stupidly funny that yeah. they had like they had an arsenal probably bigger than like a military institute in- well because they were like they were apparently like wiping out like the police force like the police force was supposedly if i didn't see it during the movie were getting like pushed back because of this gang because they had so much firepower which they definitely did <laughs> and it wasn't even that many members it was like eight guys but they had so much guns they were able to outfire yeah. the police force which was hilarious yeah it was ridiculous and I, I maybe that's what they were going for they were just going for the ridis- ridiculous aspect of it yeah. but with how serious like the original predator took itself 
going to a comedic kind of stand. I yeah, I get that, but I don't know if the original one was that serious. It was serious at the end, but there was a lot of, like, they all had a bunch of cool one-liners. There was a lot of funny banter between yeah. them. But, I mean, like, the, the actual Predator aspect, it was very serious. And yeah, in, even in this true. one, like, it was literally just the Predator kind of watching all this banter or all these, like, crimes and stuff happening and then just going and killing everyone afterwards, which... Random people. Random people, mainly drug cartels. So it was like he was, like, a vigilante, wannabe vigilante. But he yeah, also killed so police. Weird. Uh, he chose, like, he won't kill pregnant woman. He won't kill a defenseless woman, which is fine. I even, get that. But then def- at one point, he's trying to detonate his, like, wrist gauntlet. Did he scan everyone around him to make sure there's no pregnant women within this, like, vicinity when he's about to activate that? No, he didn't. So, like, where does this, like, moral code come in? Uh, when he feels like it? I guess if his life isn't in danger, there's a moral code. If his life's in danger, then the moral code goes out the window. And also, like, I guess he's a hunter, and he chooses to want to hunt. He's not just, like, an alien that'll kill anything in sight. But he really lets Danny Glover get away until the very end of the movie when they have, like, their fist-to-cuff battle. He yeah. pretty much ignores him throughout the movie. Or he even follows him to, like, a graveyard. He has many chances he can kill him. Yeah, he follows him to great. He follows him to his secret meeting with this drug lord kingpin, the the Jamaican drug lord. Yeah, and he just waits till he's gone and then kills the Jamaican drug lord who didn't even have a whip on him. Oh, he had a sword. Sorry, he had a sword. A sword cane is what he had. Yeah, very, I don't think he knew that. He probably wouldn't because it looks like a normal cane, unless he has X-ray vision stuff that he can see the metal on the other yeah. side. I don't know. I don't know their technology. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of technology, what does this movie add to the lore? Because I think that's the only kind of good part of this is that I don't, it doesn't really add much to the lore it just adds more weapons it adds a lot more weapons actually it takes away like I don't remember seeing much of his blaster pistol like no like a, the the shoulder cannon not really but we did see a lot of we saw a few knives his special spear his uh arrow dart things that he can shoot he can shoot like a net that like grapples people to the wall and starts cutting into them yeah it's like a fine cutting like fine string cutting that um, we we do see a spaceship or parts of uh, a, a predator spaceship, which they have a lot of skulls, which actually makes a very nice tie into aliens because they have an alien skull. Yeah, I was actually surprised to see that. I don't know if they were owned by the same company at that point or not, but that was a cool tie-in. Yeah, I think it was kind of like they were just asking, like, "You guys want to do this?" And yeah, you guys eventually, do this, yeah. alien was like, or the, the producers of Alien were like, "Yeah, let's do this." Yeah, Evo the alien. Aliens is like so far superior yeah. to Predator Two. They shouldn't have even been on the same platform. But what? here we are. They actually got sequels. Uh, also, he gets like a cool like boomerang thing that he throws. I forgot about that. Yeah, he does get the boomerang. Um, and we do see he's got v- the vision. They can change their vision because they can see like flashlight, like spect- spectral light. Yeah, they can do like different versions of heat vision which is kind of cool. That was something you mentioned during our view that you did actually like how we saw more from the Predator's point of view, actually. I yeah. did. I mean, I kind of liked that. I just don't like how he didn't do anything with it. Like, we didn't get to see attacks from his point of view. That would have been kind of cool. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was saying. It's just like the whole movie I watched, and I was like, eh, it's fine. It's only an hour and 45 minutes, so it's not even that long. It's not like two hours and a half or anything like that, but it's just like... It's just a movie. Maybe that's the world changed my range. It's just a movie. Yeah, it's it's dumb fun when it wants to be, but for the of. most part, it's just 
it's not great. It's not bad. You kind of missed part of it because towards the end you fell asleep for a little bit. But, but Danny Glover's fight with the Predator at the very end was pretty good. Yeah. But, like, some of our fights, I actually did like the fight where you were talking about, like, it could see. Because they have, like, what are they? They're cops? They're agents? Who oh, is going F- after the Predator? So they're, like, a special division of, like, FBI, CIA type thing that are, like, alien hunters. Because yeah. they've dealt with the Predator before when Arnold Schwarzenegger dealt with them in the forest. So, like, they're, like, a special organization that deals solely with the Predator phenomena. Yeah. Because I guess that's the only alien in that universe at I that time. I guess so. At that point, yeah. And there's a cool scene where they're hunting him in, like, a meat factory. Mm. And you can see they have special clothing so he can't see them, but he can see the lights. They should have thought about that. The lights. Yeah. They could see it. But. Especially when Dan- Daniel Glover is, like, character like warns them he can see you guys you guys should run and they're like ah we got this and then he goes and kills them all yeah they deserve that so yeah. that scene was good Vanilla Gary Busey scenes. that's who he was yeah Gary Busey was in it he was amazing bit. yeah Gary Busey doing Gary Busey things is actually like a crazy douchebag but he had suave he had a lot of suaveness he had a surprising amount of suave he has a like a Illuminati tie at one point that was weird I think they were all wearing the pin but he specifically like he displayed it on his tie and he made a very big point that was weird I'm I'm special yeah uh Bill Paxson and the female cop their death scene well I guess they don't kill the female cop because she's pregnant is on a train which you hated because it's so like really flashy oh god I hate that I didn't really see when Bill Paxson died it was like not well choreographed a lot of this movie the predator suit is so cool it, we're talking about later I guess the good thing about this movie is that the makeup and effects on just a face when it takes his mask off is incredible it's so good but most of the movie he's invisible like most of the movie he's invisible yeah which I think they were trying to point put the point across he was a hunter without doing a lot of hunting because he literally seemed to happen upon a lot of stuff like the train incident he just like would dropped on top of the train out of nowhere maybe he was following the cops or something and then he just kills a whole bunch of gang members that were in his way yeah like he's his killing made no sense because like he didn't really ever see him like stalking that many people he just followed the one or two cops around and then killed who was ever next to him that had a gun mm, that's fair uh, or sword never really much more to say prior to yeah kind of disappointing it's it's kind of a movie though it's like I, fine yeah it's I, fine i think it was a good idea that if somebody had made it right could have been a kino movie yeah. Like a good follow up to Predator. But I just think it fell down a very, very far hole and it never came back. It's up. such a weird opening with like a fifteen minute like gang attack, gangs versus the cops. Yeah. And that's how we're introduced to the Predator. He just kills this entire gang that had nothing to do with him. Like it was literally a gang war between cops and Predator and the Predator's like, Oh, I'm just gonna kill these these bad guys, even though he didn't know who the bad guys, he could have killed the cops for all we knew. They were basically the same thing. They were guys with guns, but he chose not to kill the cops. Even in the beginning, he chose not to kill a single one of the cops with guns, which again made no sense to me. It wasn't until like probably over halfway through the movie, he actually started killing a few of the cops. And it was only like two. It was only like two. It was, that's what I was saying. I was like, is he a vigilante? Is he like a punisher? Is he here to help? He kind of did help the LA. He killed a lot of gang members. Yeah. He killed a shitload of them. But again, that could just make him more angry and want them to take revenge on each other because they don't know who's killing him. He was invisible. They could just think they're killing each other. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Weird choices, I feel. Yeah. Uh, So that's our review for Prayer 2 and Aliens, but don't worry. We have a couple more segments before we wrap up the show. Started with Comic Book of the Week. I got two Comic Books of the Week. 
Uh, both single issues, though. Uh, I read the new uh, Marvel Alien series, started with a one-shot spinoff, which was called Alien Aftermath, which is fun because it segues into Aliens. It takes place after Aliens, and Travis, they return to Hadley's Hope, where Aliens takes place. But at this point, it has been frozen over. Oh, okay. And also, another tie-in, you remember uh, Agent Vasquez, or Corporal Vasquez, or Private Vasquez? Uh, she's like the Dominican or Puerto Rican girl. Oh, yeah, she yeah, one of the better. Army. Yeah, she's a good character. Um, her nephew is in this comic. Okay. And it focuses on a group of characters who hate Willen Yutani so much that they broadcast themselves. They're kind of like influencers kind of because they are always being filmed and they put it on the deep web or whatever of them basically fucking with Waylon Yutani blowing up their shit or whatever and eventually his whole goal uh, her nephew who's like this really jacked dude who's a lot of suave and he's a kind of charismatic guy but he believes he can't die they his whole goal is that he wants to find Hadley's hope and they eventually do find it it's been frozen over and he goes in We've kind of he wants to see what happened to his aunt. He believes that she's probably dead, but he wants to find out if it was Waylon Yutani's fault. Mm. And inside, classic alien shenanigans happen, and the crew start getting picked off one by one. And at the end, there's a little twist that Waylon Yutani basically led them there to kind of get killed off. Oh, because everyone who's gone there has died. That yep. makes sense. Okay. And at the end, they introduce a new kind of alien that has been stuck on this wasteland so long they are like translucent white and instead of acid blood it's liquid nitrogen oh so it kind of freezes when it touches yeah you. and there's a cool scene where a woman she gets liquid nitrogen on her she moves her arm too fast her arm cracks off hmm. so that was actually a pretty good comic and i definitely want to see more of what marvel's gonna do to alien franchise uh the other comic i'm reading is another marvel it's uh moon knight number one I love Moon Knight, and he's getting his own Netflix, not Netflix, unfortunately. He's getting his own Disney Plus show at some point, and I wanted to see their new run. Because usually they hire good writers to make a good Moon Knight series, but sometimes they get people, and it's either not good or okay. But the new writer they got is, so far, he's doing a really good job, and it's focusing a lot on, can Moon Knight die? What is his purpose? And it focuses on him, at least his first issue, of dealing with... He's talking to a therapist about he's died so much times. He doesn't have powers, but in a way, because he keeps coming back, it's almost like a power. Well, and, basically, he has a tie with a, as I believe it's an Egyptian god. Yep. So that Egyptian god is the reason he's been brought back to life so many times. And that's a major theme in this, because he introduces himself as the right hand of his Egyptian name. I don't remember his name. Yeah. But at the end of the comic, after he fights some werewolves and vampires, a character he meets earlier in the comic comes back and introduces himself to a statue of the Egyptian god as the left hand of whatever that god's name is. Oh, that, yeah, that makes sense. So, because you got to think about, he's probably not the only one who's been blessed by this Egyptian god. No, I mean, there could have been millions of people. I mean, he's a god. He's lived millions of years. Yeah. And uh, apparently they make hints that the god might be a little disappointing to him because at one point he spares some vampires. Like, at the beginning... There's some evil vampires that stole some 
humans, they turn them into vampires, and they're like, hey, we're going to force you on the streets. You have to turn other people into vampires. And they're just like normal people that unfortunately got turned into vampires. Moon Knight comes in. He kills the evil vampires. While the god kind of wants him to kill those other vampires, he's just like, these are just normal people that want nothing to do with this. They're people who live in my neighborhood. He lets them go. Mm. And I think that's where this new left hand is going to come in as like the more brutal version. Oh, makes sense. Yeah. So both of those are interesting. I got in the cover for the first one is really awesome, beautifully drawn cover of Moon Knight. It uses the colors of white and red so well. And I got issue number two. I think issue three is out right now. And I think I'm going to keep reading this series. That sounds worth it. Definitely. Uh, Game of the week. Not a lot to say because I haven't played a ton, but the Alien vs. Predators game from 2010. Um, I played a little bit as Predator, a little bit as Alien. Actually, the most fun campaign is the Colonel Marines one because it makes it that you're alone. It's a little bit horrifying, like Alien Isolation, but your character is more useful and he actually has guns and he can kill aliens. It's direct, if Alien Isolation is aliens, this is definitely aliens because you're able to kill a bunch of aliens. You go on bug hunts, basically. Yep. So you get put on a planet. You have to go to different areas. You're trying to find different people. And there's different places where you kill aliens. And apparently at the end, you fight some bigger ones, like uh, drone, like basically second commands to the queen. So like really big ones. Hmm. Um, but yeah, so far it's pretty good. Yeah, it sounds awesome. You told me about this yesterday. I was like, that I want to play that. Yeah, because you get to use a uh, like a laser rifle. You get like a shotgun at one point. And actually, the levels so far have been very creative. It's not just going to one room after another to kill aliens. Like the structure of where you go to kill these things differ, and the missions are not just interchangeable. Like I don't think the game is super long. For what I've been told, I think every campaign is like a couple hours. But how they did it is really fun it's very well structured so i get it fully evo it's a fairly older game it still looks pretty good and it's fun so it gets my recommendation and it's a good tie into this yeah and we found out we can get it on xbox uh series no not the series x the xbox one well probably the series x too eventually yeah yeah i don't know um yeah so that was our game of the week complicated week let's wrap this up with our at the movie section where we talk about four things we watched recently that's not the main topic of this week, which is Alien 2 and Predator 2. Can I have relations to that? Yeah, sure. Okay, I've got two. All right, one. you go first. My first one is from Outer Space. It actually has aliens in it. It is called Star Wars Visions, or no. Yeah, Star Wars Vision, right? Yeah, you're right. It's Star Wars Visions. Okay, I almost got that name completely wrong. Anyway, but so it's basically uh, the Star Wars executives went to different animation companies in Japan and maybe possibly America because some had American themes to them. Um, and they got stories from them. They got episodes, but none of the episodes, at least for the most part, have tie-ins to each other. I think possibly from, if I'm reading into some of them, they have overlapping story a little bit, but for the most part, they, the stories themselves are completely separate. They have completely different characters except for, uh, I think Java the Hutt comes in at one point. Oh, really? Um, for the most part, they have no tie-in to the actual, like, Star Wars. New characters, new stories. Yeah. Kind of like uh, The Bad Batch. Like, uh, even that, I guess, has some tie-ins, but not not very many. Like, again, I've, from what I can remember, Jabba the Hutt was the biggest one that I remember. Huh. Um, but anyway, but and it has, like, 
these like little mini storks, kind of like uh, what was that show we love? Love, Death, and Robots. Yep. Where no episodes the same, new characters every time, new stories every time, and new art styles every time. And I gotta say, that's really cool. Some I like of that them, idea. Some of them weren't amazing, to be honest, but some of them I genuinely want whole shows about. I just I want them to make a whole show based off that one episode. Mm. They they were that good, and I thought they were incredible. And how many episodes were there? I believe it was nine or ten. I want to say nine. Yeah. Yeah. People have been telling me they're like, Disney will be crazy if they don't greenlit this for another season. No, genuinely. Like, it, it has so much potential. Because, again, the Star Wars universe is so big on its own that how could you not? And even if they did, like, extra episodes based off the ones that they currently have, like, there's quite a few I'd love to see at least a second episode of. Yeah. To see where it's gone from where it began. Sure. Yeah, and I really want to see that at some point. Um, I just like the ideas of that, like Love, Death, and Robots is every episode is its own story. Different people work on it, and you know some are probably better than others, but at least you get different storytellers telling a story they want to tell within this universe. And it seems like they've been given pretty free reign to do kind of whatever they want, besides so, probably not using the main characters. Yeah, not using the main characters, but like quite literally, so much free reign. So one episode is completely in almost black and white. Huh. Really, and, and all the other ones are colored, but they're very, very different art styles, and yeah. it, they all look incredible. Some of them are a bit, uh, a bit not what I'm used to in anime style, but like I've, I've seen it around. Uh, like for example, Astro Boy. Mm. I've never really seen that anime, but I know the art style, and I think they used that for one episode. What was your favorite episode? Without going to spoilers. Oh, favorite one. <sighs> I almost want to say episode one just because I thought the main character was awesome and really badass, mm. but, uh, any cool creative, uh, uses of the lightsaber, uh, kind of because, uh, our, for the, the first episode as an example, a little bit of a spoiler. Sure. Uh, one of the lightsabers is an umbrella. Huh? That's funny. And I, I can't picture that. Oh, you will picture it. Huh. When you see that episode, you will picture it. It looks as good as you could imagine. Well, we'll see what happens. I don't want Disney Plus, but at some point, I'll try to watch it somehow. This is worth for one month getting Disney Plus because all the episodes are out now. If you yeah. get get it for one month, it's worth it yeah. just for this one show. For one show, yeah, no, that's fair. Um, umbrella lightsabers, huh? Yeah, it's it's for one episode only, but it looks awesome, and the way it's used is really good. Okay, so it's not goofy or stupid. Like, it's kind of pulled off fairly well. Yeah, the character... So it's it's a villain character that uses it, and she's awesome. And then her using her special weapon, the Umbrella, she doesn't use it for very long, unfortunately. I kind of wish she fought an entire battle with it. But she only uses it for a couple of minutes. For, for those couple of minutes, it looks awesome. Hmm. Okay, no, that sounds good. Star Wars Visions. Uh, the number two pick for us is, for me, I'm going to talk about the movie as... Above, so below, which has unfortunately left Netflix. It might be on Hulu, though. So it's a found footage movie that's done very well. It's the best Laura Croft movie that's been ever done, but it doesn't feature Laura Croft. It features, though, a brunette, long-haired British archaeologist whose father died on the pursuit of looking for treasure. And uh, people believe that he killed himself. It's like the same exact plot as like the video games, the new ones that came out. Yep. And... Uh, you know, she's very pretty, and she knows her stuff, and she likes to go out on adventure. She's basically Laura Croft. Yep. And this is the best movie of Laura Croft that's not actually Laura Croft. So it's found footage. Her friend is filming them for a documentary, and 
she finds the treasure that she's looking for is underneath the Paris catacombs, which is a real thing that Paris has many, many, many miles of underground catacombs that people used hundreds of years ago, and they kind of just been abandoned down there. And they go down there, they put a camera on everyone's head to capture footage, and she takes this team and she goes down below. But when they keep going down lower and lower, they get lost and some spooky stuff happens. Oh, kind of like ghostly stuff or yeah. monster stuff? So, like, whatever's haunting them, like, targets them for, like, their weaknesses. Like, one person lost their brother when he was young in a car crash. He sees a room where it has, like, a actual car that's on fire and his brother's, like, smoking in the back. He's, like, on fire just roasting. Oh. Yeah. And he's, like, freaking out because it's very traumatic. Another character sees his little brother that drowned when he was young, like, underneath him in the water. Stuff like that. Okay. But it's really cool because it's actually like filmed. They were given permission to film in the Paris catacombs. Oh, so it's like very creepy setting. Yes, it is. And the movie is creepy or scary at points, but it's mostly very suspenseful. And I think it's overall a pretty good movie. So that's my recommendation. Number one, as above, so below. Travis, what's your number two recommendation? So my number two is going to be Mobile Suit Gundam uh, Hathaway. It is on Netflix. And it's uh, kind of an addition to the the Gundam franchise. It takes place solely on Earth, and it's kind of like it's a, a bit, I guess, a bit like Star Wars in a way. It's kind of like uh, rebels fighting against uh, an opposing force, kind of like a military force, but of course, like not the Sith or anything. They don't have special powers, mm. but it's basically Gundams fighting other Gundams, and this opposing force that's fighting the rebels. Uh, basically, they've done some things that the rebels can't. Uh, basically, um, humanity has explored other planets. They've gone out and they're on Mars now. They live on Mars. I believe they live on a few other planets now because they've uh, terraformed them. But they've kind of they won't allow those people to come back to Earth, like even to visit. Mm. And the the people of Mars and whatnot are really they're they're very, I guess. They they want to come back to her. They want to go back to their homeland and at the very least see it one last time before they die. So they want they want freedom to do so, and these people aren't giving them the freedom. So that's why they're it's all kind of dickish. It's very dickish, but at the same time, like you can't have hundreds of millions of people from different planets all come to Earth because then it's it's crowded and overpopulated. I guess it's fair, yeah. So you kind of get the perspective of both, but at the same time, you're you're following mainly the rebel forces. And their their mobile suit Gundam, and the main fight scene, which is incredible. Oh, that sounds interesting. And that you said is on Netflix. It currently is on Netflix. So is that a Netflix anime, or is that an anime they got that's on Netflix? I believe it's actually a Netflix original. I huh. want to say, yeah, it is a Netflix original. Surprisingly enough, they have so much originals. I need to see the new Godzilla anime that's on. Oh yeah, that was decent. Well, yeah. I saw the first episode, and I was like, okay, uh, it seems interesting, but no Godzilla showed up, so that really didn't drag me into it. But I'll watch more of it. Yeah, it's a bit like Shin Godzilla doesn't show up until a little ways in. Okay, fair enough. And our final recommendation of the week is... Give me a second. It is uh, Drive. So, Drive is a uh, 2012 movie. It had a 10-year anniversary recently. I already watched it again, and it holds up super well. It is probably one of my favorite movies, actually. It has one of the best, most intense openings to an action movie ever. And it is just a very stylistic movie that has a really cool synthwave 
uh, soundtrack, and just visually it's very pretty to look at. And there's not a lot of dialogue in it, but it's just a fun movie. And it has, like, the weirdest main character. He's, like, really badass and cool. He wears a cool scorpion jacket. He's a mechanic, but he's also, like, a stunt driver. He's also, like, a getaway driver. But he's, like, people have linked him to be a little autistic because he, like, doesn't speak throughout the whole movie. And his motives and what he chooses to do is a little... He doesn't show, like, really any emotion. And he's he makes questionable choices. But he's a badass... But he is a really cool character. He's an iconic character. He's just very different. And I watched it while I was a little bit blitzed. And it opened so much doors for me. I like understood everything about the movie. Why it was made. I understood that like every choice the movie made was I think based on a vibe. Like so many choices in his it's like good choices. But I'm like why was that, why was that chosen? Like one of his like best friend has like a limp. He's like paraplegic a little bit or it's just he can't walk on one leg but it's like why was that made i don't know but it adds to the story a little bit and it fleshes that character out why is the main character not really talk i don't know but it makes him kind of cool why is he have a scorpion jacket it's mentioned like in one line kind of but it, i don't know it makes him cool everything's made for a vibe choice in this movie which is kind of respectful because not many movies are made just solely for vibe yeah and it's so good we're gonna do a night where we watch it and played the inspired video game Hotline Miami because Hotline Miami was very inspired by this movie and I also love that video game. Okay. And that was our episode of Aliens and Predator 2. Thanks for listening. Uh, next week we'll be doing Venom, right? Venom and Carnage. Yeah, Venom and Carnage. Did you know, which is a really weird sidetrack, they chose purposely. That movie is only an hour and a half long. It's been one of the shortest like superhero movies ever because usually superhero movies are at least hour 45 minutes but usually... Especially nowadays, they go to like two hours, 15, two hours and a half. Or you're like fucking Zack Snyder, four hours. <laughs> yes. It's an hour and a half, which is like pretty much the bare minimum for like a theatrical movie. But apparently they want to get in, do the movie they want to do, thrill people, and then get out. Which I, mean, I respect, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that, again, that kind of ties back into Aliens, where the original cut, the theatrical cut, was I believe like an hour and 40 minutes-ish. Probably. Um, but that was the thing. They, they told... Uh, the, Basically, the, the director said in a commentary that they he told his friends told him to keep it short because you want to keep your inter- people entertained constantly. If you make it too long, people might lose interest. We, of course, didn't because it was really good. Even being two hours and 20 minutes or whatever it was, it's still just as good. It kept you just as entertained. But I think that was probably part of their reasoning for it. They want to make sure that they could keep enough action and enough story in it to keep people entertained. So. I want to see where it goes because it sounds interesting to have a shorter movie. Yeah, I agree. Like that could really help the or movie hurt. or it could hurt it. It could. Um, I know the first one, there was like a lot of people said like they cut out a lot to make that movie shorter, but I haven't heard that for this. I think it was like they purposely yeah. made it shorter, which will hurt it or make it good. And I'm honestly down for movies being not two hours and 20 minutes for every single movie that comes out. Wonder Woman was also two hours and 20 minutes, a yeah. new one, and that movie was just trash. Yeah. My biggest thing, I don't like sitting in the, th- if it's in theaters, I don't like sitting in the theater for two hours and 20 minutes. It's such a long time. Well, you didn't have to see the Snyder Cut in the theaters, so No, we that. did not. I had to see it on my couch, which was way too long on my couch. Yeah, that's a long time to sit down. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that was our episode. Once again, we reminded people to follow the Beer and Pretzel podcast which are on the same channels as this are, this is, because um, we're going to be moving our podcast there in November. If in this podcast channel will 
be pretty much just closed down. We're not going away. We'll just be on a different channel. Yeah. Still have all of our fun loving episodes about movies that we want to talk about. Yep. So we'll still be around just somewhere else. So follow us there and come back next week. We're going to talk about Venom. And then next week, uh, we got to choose if we're doing Dune or Bond. We're going to do one of them the following week. Yep. And then probably last night in Soho, the final week. And then we'll go from there. Thanks for everyone for listening. And we'll see you next time on Trash Talk Podcast.